Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to another Pure Fandom Podcast of Brad and Court Talk. I'm Brad. And I'm Court. Tonight we have a very special guest joining us to talk about the show and her role as uber badass, Dr. Cassandra Rayleigh. Yes, tonight we'll Ooh, be talking... I like that. <laughs> <laughs> uber badass, that's what you are, babe. Yes. <laughs> yes, in case you don't notice, we have Amanda Scholl on the line with us. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to chat with us. Well, thank you for having me. And if you introduce me as Uber Badass, I'll go wherever you need me to go. Okay. Well, oh, just, always. We'll make that is your new that. title. <laughs> <laughs> First, we just want to say that uh, we totally fell in love with the show last season. But this season, with the storytelling and acting, it's just gone. It's been beyond amazing. And I, like, I just, it's off the, off the charts. Amazing. I just can't oh, say like we've been telling everybody that we can to watch the show and like we're saying saying hurry up and binge the first season but then get the season two I won't spoil it for you it's just been oh my god all over the place crazy awesome amazing just oh, wonderful thank you kudos so to you much. guys I think actually even there, I know some people who only started in the second season and they do such a um with the first episode of season two they did a great two minute synopsis and I know that two minutes can hardly cover what took place over 13 episodes but it did a wonderful job of giving the cliff notes for anybody who just can't wait to get into the second season and doesn't have time to binge the first. Yeah. And that's always a struggle when you have a show that didn't really catch on the first season. This one was good. This one was good the first season, but it got that talk. You know, it was on Hulu, I believe. And then people were like, oh, what's this? What is this show? And then it's back. And like, I want to catch up, but I want to watch it. I want to watch. And so you said, go ahead and watch the second season. You can do it. And like you said, if you if the show is good, the writers are good enough, they'll give you good enough catch up. That'll give you a springboard. So you can just watch it and you're good to go. It's awesome because it's the whole new storyline, right? It's a very different storyline. I think that the writers were so smart. Terry Metalis in, in particular was so smart because he realized after the first season, we can't just have a plague show. You know, nobody wants to watch the virus show, watch, you know, people encounter these, these troubling uh, situations week after week with the same enemy. So they morphed it from the first season to the next to expand the scope. I mean, the fact that there is a threat even bigger than 7 billion people dying Mm -hmm. on the first episode of a show kind of gives you a whole lot of room for missions and exploration. And the mythology has only been able to just weave this crazy web because of their creativity. Definitely. Definitely. And we do a, another podcast for another time travel show. And so many times that we're talking about that show, we find ourselves going back to the rules that the rules of time travel based on 12 monkeys, because it makes so much sense. Do you guys have like a time travel Bible that you have to go by? How do you keep track of everything? Well, I, it, it has been a subject of conversation on set. The rules, these, these mysterious rules um, by, by whom I'm not sure. I don't know exactly who created the time travel rules. And it seems like different film and television have sort of picked and chosen which they subscribe to. Mm -hmm. And with ours, we have our own set and I'm not going to even try to explain what I believe they are because the science of time travel is not my or Cassie's specialty. I don't know these things, but, um, I think it's safe to say that Terry and the other writers uh, are very well versed in the the lexicon of time travel. 
Okay. Well, I just think it, it, everything they do, it just makes so much sense. And they, they stay within the guidelines of those rules. So kudos for that to Terry and the crew. Thank you. Thank you. So this season, there's been a really big change in Cassie. After initially leaving Cole in 2016 and returning to 2044, she learned a few things that have changed her. The role seems a lot more physical now that she's a total badass, like badass <laughs> Dr. Cassandra Riley. How different is it playing Cassie this season versus how she was in episode one, season one? I think season one, well, there's a huge difference, obviously, going from the first to the second Um I think in season one, she was in many ways sort of the perspective of the audience. She was kind of going on the journey with the audience, learning these things with the audience. I think she and the viewers have caught up uh, starting into into the second season. And she no longer is sort of this wide-eyed figuring it out as as she stumbles through, you know, mission after mission. She's... She's in it. She's in the thick of it. And so it was very different. But at her core, she's the same person. You know, I know that people have a hard time justifying a lot of what they didn't see on camera for the first, from the first second to the second season of this more metamorphosis of this person. But she is very much still the same character that she was in the beginning of the first season. She's evolved. Even at the end of the first season, she, she got to a place where she was willing to hold a gun on another person. That's a pretty big deal for a doctor to do. And then it launched forward going, you know, eight months in the apocalypse, kill or be killed. She's had to acquire a very different skill set and put it to use. And that's where we see her. Okay, can you talk a bit about what it's been like for her now that she's been affected by the ordeal with the witness? Right, the ordeal with the witness, I think, has shaken her to her core. And I've said it before that what Cassie values above anything and everything else is her brain. You know, she she now has this brawn that she falls back on uh, to get herself out of sticky situations but her brain has always been her strength, her, her actual, what difference, you know, what differentiates her with so many other people. And he took that from her. You know, he took her grasp with reality away from her. He, he or she, I mean, we don't know, I guess I should say this being, um, we always refer to it as him, but it, it's a being. And this, it, 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 it's calling into question her sanity and her grip on reality. And that's a very scary position for somebody who, who relies so much on her intelligence. And not only that, the witness has, has inhabited her body and forced her to do things, unspeakable things that she would never do. And the ramifications of that are horrifying to her. It's set her in this really dark spiral that she wants to do anything possible to rectify. And as a result, when the witness took over, she was uh, she was uh, responsible for Sam disappearing as well. Exactly, and that's I mean that's what I mean when I say that these things she she's horrified with. You know, it's it's Sam, it's Doctor Eklund, it's you know a few other people, and it's. Uh, Whole, getting shot and putting everybody's lives in danger. It's also making her feel like she's she's not safe to be around. 
she's a liability in a lot of ways until she gets this taken care of. Speaking of Sam, he when he went to the forest, when he woke up there, whenever time that was, there was uh-huh. somebody who reached out the, to grab his hand. Someone who knew he was coming. Now, uh-huh. I don't know if you have a theory on this and who this person might be. We have this long shot that we're really hoping it's David Eklund, just so we can get my, more Michael Hogan on screen time. He is amazing. <laughs> he is amazing, isn't he? Um, you're not going to get anything out of me, guys. You can try all you want. I know who it is that takes his hand. I actually saw the scene being shot, and they shot that scene, I think, actually, while we were shooting 208, while we were shooting the um, the Groundhog Day episode. They shot uh, that particular scene, which um, which was sort of... Actually, no, excuse me, that, that is that episode. They shot it out of sequence, and we were wondering what was going on in the woods when we were shooting that. And it all kind of fell into place. And uh, it will be revealed later on in the season. Hey, I'm good with that right there. I have theories. They're probably not even close to being right. But I can't wait because this is actually one of the things about the show. Like you said before, we can't just go with the virus the whole time. The, The introduction of the witness and everything behind it has been something that's really just, oh, it's it's such a mystery that I just love. So many yeah, questions. I mean, how great is it to watch a show that gets your brain going, mm-hmm. that you know doesn't allow you to passively watch, that engages you? How exciting is it to come up with theories and share them and have intelligent conversation with other viewers? It's, it's something that's so great about this show, and in, in many ways it's so fun to be on the inside, but I really envy the people getting to watch it and theorize from the outside. It's, it's a lot of fun. There's one of the things that I always loved about this also is like you're talking a lot of fun to go with the theories is when we had that first initial shot of the words of the witness, there were screenshots online where people were piecing together all the different time frames Uh inside of it. Uh And it was the best thing ever because it was like you didn't get a good clean shot. But man, people were spending a lot of time going into it. And I just loved it. It was like one of those great little moments of TV fandom. Yeah, I know. You know, um, Terry actually has the word of the witness on his wall in his office. So if anyone were to make an appointment with Terry under the guise of some other business, they might be able to really piece it all together. (laughs) He needs to release that in a poster format because I'd totally have it on my wall. Oh, me too. That would be awesome. It's a beautiful piece of artwork, actually. I mean, it really is. It is gorgeous. Speaking of the Groundhog Day episode that you just mentioned... Did you and the rest of the cast know the truth about Jones's daughter surviving early in the season, or was this just a surprise that opened up in the script and seeing it all unfold at once? I think we knew earlier in the season. Um, I don't know that we knew, or that I knew at least, uh, how it, we were going to figure it all out. So that was a mystery, and that was really fun to um, be part of that. And... Then, of course, the scene, the reunion in the woods was just a beautiful scene to witness, pardon my pun, but to witness uh, as an actor, you know, with Barbara and Brooke. I think that was Brooke's first day of work with us. She got sort of thrust 
into our our family, our sort of tightly knit family, and her first day is just this mega wordless but it, just weighty scene. Um, but yet Terry does share with us sort of little pearls. He doesn't he doesn't always share the connective tissue about how we're going to get there, but he shares some some information that we need to know that will sort of help us uh, kind of layer our performances throughout the season. Okay. Now, we've watched Cassie curtail her ties to Cole in the name of the mission and grow relationships with other characters. What's been the most dynamic relationship for Cassie this season? The most dynamic relationship? Mm-hmm. I guess it would depend on your definition of dynamic because there are some um, unexpected uh, allies that she's made. You know, mm-hmm. Ramsey, of course, being one and course, Deacon, um, I think unexpected would be, would be the, the, the dynamic between Ramsey and Cassie, but something from my perspective as an actor that was really great was to finally have a couple of juicy scenes with Emily, with Emily, Jennifer Goins. That's been, that's been one of the highlights of this season for me, working with her and, um, and her various incarnations, mm-hmm. you know, every time you get a, a, an episode with Emily, you don't know which Jennifer you're going to get. So that's really fun. And I've had some really beautiful acting experiences with scenes that, um, that I didn't necessarily expect to encounter with Emily. And that's, that's been really enjoyable. And it's been enjoyable to watch. Trust us. Oh, thank you. It's amazing. Okay, so watching the show this season, we noticed that the ratio of kick butt females has up to the nth degree. Barbara Sakoa, I'm sorry, Emily Hampshire, Allison Down, and now Brooke Williams as Hannah Jones. How does it feel to be a part of a project that has so many strong females on the canvas who aren't just a plot device or secondary characters? Oh, God, it feels good. Yeah. It feels really, really good. And... I don't think it's lost on any of us. Every single one of us realize, and, uh, you know, we even talk about this on set, how lucky we are. You know, it's, it's unfortunate that we even need to have this conversation. It's sort of weird that we need to have this conversation. I know. But being on the positive side of things m- makes it a, a conversation that's, that's really fulfilling. And, you know, You've seen all of these girls be tough. You haven't seen anything yet. Can't wait. I can't wait. I'm yeah. looking forward to it. I really, I, I <laughs> love all the characters on this show. There's like no one that I really don't like. And it, which oh, is, good. But if you don't like them, there's a reason you don't like them, you know. And it's, and it's, but it's everybody, the all the acting and every all the actors on it portray yeah. characters great there was a point where i didn't like deacon but i didn't like deacon for a reason at the Brad. no like yeah, well see that's the thing is that you don't like them for a reason they've built in these backstories with every single character not only just you know three or four of them but there are peripheral characters you don't see every single episode that when you do see them they suddenly have these rich backstories like what we learned with adler last night was so mm-hmm. fascinating that Jones had promised him that she would try to go back and save his son, that his life would be changed, and she, he doesn't feel that she's lived up to that word. You know, that's, 
That's really interesting. And then the thing is, you might dislike somebody one episode, and then the next episode you learn all these reasons why, or they do something completely redeeming, and you think, ugh, now I need to reevaluate my whole structure with you know how I feel with every single person all over again. Exactly. And especially with Adler, too, that was one of the things, like, he's always been there. He's never been in the forefront or anything. But now we know that he had a stake in the game also. He had lost a child. And I found it really interesting yeah. that Ramsey knew that. Yes. Yeah. Because I think that off camera, they probably had conversations about it, you know, especially after the loss of Sam, that they have this. And it might not even be so much of a, as a conversation as just kind of an acknowledgement or an understanding that that there are a lot of people that you don't realize why they're doing this, why they're really willing to risk so much. Well, they it's a it's a mission out of hope. It's because they think that there's going to be something to to return to or something to bring back. I guess. And that was pretty much in this week's episode where. You know, that's what Jones had. She had the mission of hope and not the mission of revenge. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Although I still went with Ramsey and Cassie's mission. I thought theirs was you know, a little bit better off. Um, thank you. <laughs> I don't know why you're not the majority on social media, but people seem to not understand. And I just need to take a second here and get on my soapbox. Go for because it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Because had Jones not pulled them all out of that situation, they might have had an opportunity to destroy all of Dr. Kirshner's research and stop the messengers from ever having existed. If that's not cutting the head off the snake, I don't know what is. This is this is a conversation that seems to have... Uh, not happened online or something because I got a lot of people just taking sides on Twitter without examining the entire scenario, just a very myopic view of things. And it's sort of bizarre to me that people aren't looking at it from a holistic perspective. There was a lot going for the mission that, that Cassie and Ramsey pursued and that they were actually promised last week, by okay. the way. Right, and their mission was, I mean, Cole's mission was going to take a year. It may or may not do anything. This was yeah. this was a strike mission. It would take care of everything. It just yeah. made so much more sense to me, and I'm like, why are, yes, go to 1961. Yes. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, you're welcome, but I have something more on this also. So, okay, okay. We'll, We'll jump around here. Last week, Cassie and Ramsey go to see the keeper. The yes. keeper, um, you know, prints out the the redacted document that ends right. up being them in 1961. Yes. So we said before on the show, or it's been been said before on the show that time is conscious and has its own thing going on. Right. So if time allowed them to find this document, they had already been there. They mm -hmm. were going to go to 1961 regardless of what happened. And yes. that whole thing of them going there and Cole finding out that, you know, this was you people, this was you guys that they were talking about. This is like time making it happen. Yeah, time making it happen. And it's just, it's sort of the way that people respond. I've kind of equated it at times to... 
the, the concept of time and the awareness of time being like a puppet master and kind of pulling the strings. And sometimes maybe the marionette does exactly what you want and sometimes it doesn't sometimes it falters a little bit but yeah this concept of of time having a consciousness is is really fascinating and what time wants you to do with it Mm -hmm. you know i think we could probably go on this whole rabbit hole of discussion about it and but maybe we'd lose some audience (laughs) numbers I, that was the part that just got me. I was like, they were destined to go there. Regardless of what would yeah. have happened, there could have been, even if they would have said, no, we're all going to 1957 and that would happen, there could have been a glitch in the machine that dropped them in 1961. I think without whatever they, and this is just my theory, whatever they would have done, they would have still ended up in 1961. They would have still ended up in 1961, but had had Jones not pulled them out, what might have happened? They what, could would have, that, what would the ramifications have been with that? I, and I think that they actually could have finished their mission. Yeah, they could have. No red skies, no paradoxes, no facility being taken over. Think about all of that. It right, because you had child Olivia in the mix right there. If they were able to get to her right then and there, that would have changed so much. This is gruesome, but had they taken her out, yeah. Or had they maybe, you know, had her have another upbringing of some sort or whatever it is, it could have been a very different result. Yeah. Yes. Because we already see that she's going to be an expector now, now that she doesn't believe in the witness anymore. I know what's going to happen with that. Ooh. Ooh. Well, we're just going to have to wait. I was just, mm. <laughs> I was surprised when she got there. She had said before that the witness lied, and I think everything else that led up to her that point she had just had enough at that point. I just, yeah, I, I'm so looking forward to finding out what happens to her. And she's another character who I really didn't care for for a long time. Not the actress, the character. And now I'm like looking yeah. forward to, I was so happy when Jennifer stabbed her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's really interesting. Every single character. And I don't know how they do this, what their format is, whether they have, you know, a, a formula for this, but every single character has an arc. And somehow, each character's arc lends itself to the mythology. So her being such a fervent believer, going into this changed person that we're seeing her become is going to have a very direct effect on the mythology as a whole. Can't wait. Seriously, <laughs> just uh, okay. So let me, side note, mm-hmm. wait, side note, Allison Down is about forty three months pregnant throughout the last several episodes. Oh, <laughs> how good does that woman look? By the way, amazing. Yeah, she is one million months pregnant, which is why she is wearing um, an overcoat in a lot of the scenes. Oh man. I don't know if I should have spilled those beans, but I mean, she was such an incredible trooper. She, it, she never slowed down one bit. Nothing suffers with her work, you know, and I'm sure she was uncomfortable because she was about to have the baby at any moment. And that woman is just a force. That's amazing. 
Yeah. <laughs> now I'm going to have to go back and look like, yep, sure was. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, no. Don't don't piece it apart. Oh, oh no. no. It, it will it'll be one of the things that comes to mind later on at some point in time. Like, hey, look. And I'll go, she's amazing. Look at her. She's good. Yeah. It's yeah. one of those moments when we go back and rewatch things. Like, oh, yeah. I had to mention that. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Instead of shopping bags and like standing behind couches and stuff like they do on sitcoms, you know, we didn't really have that option on Twelve Monkeys to have just her head poking out from behind like a a picket fence or something. She's, you know, she, she's always <laughs> yeah, hiding she behind something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me back up here for back in this week's episode. We kind of talked a little bit about it, but. When Deacon came to visit Cassie before she was leaving, he kind of showed a oh, different no. side. Yeah. Uh, yeah. More than harsh. It, more than so it, harsh. But it was a softness to him that we hadn't seen before. And we yeah. always kind of had this idea that they had grown close during that missing time when she was in 2044 for those eight months. But can you talk a little bit about the relationship and where Cassie was coming from last night when she pretty much shut him down as effectively as she did with Cole a few weeks ago? And also a little bit on how maybe she felt when he talked about watching her on TV every night and telling her that she finally fit in around there. Right. Okay. Well, I can give you some backstory on those two lines specifically that you just mentioned. Um, That line about watching her on television every night was actually originally in the first episode of season two that um, after Deacon held a gun to Cassie's head in front of the messengers and then they walk um, down a corridor and she realizes that he's sick. There was a, there was a missing chunk out of that conversation where he says, I actually know who you are. I know who you are because I've seen you on television. And they cut that little bit and they put it in this scene where it has a totally different meaning. Um, which I thought was really interesting because Todd and I had already shot that, you know, it just, he then did this very different and beautiful, complete iteration of the words he and I had already shared, which was really, you know, hats off to his performance. And then to, to also add to that where he says, you finally fit around in around here. The original line was, um, uh, something, some sort of a dig about her always having shitty bed, bedside manner. And he changed that. He, Todd, changed it to you finally fit her in around here. Um, and that's the take that they used, which I also thought was interesting. But, yeah, it's a, it's a much softer deacon. And I think it goes to show why the two of them were allies. You know, but then the fact that it was only one time... Coming from Cassie's perspective, that's never what she wanted it to be. She never wanted it to be a partnership that dipped into the romantic. She wanted it to be an ally. She wanted to have someone she could trust. She wanted to have somebody who could teach her things that she would also protect in turn. You know, she got him medicine. She looked out for him. She has his back just as much as he has hers. And I think that having... Shutting him down that way is the only way she could shut him down. And it's not cold, I don't think. I think it's just honest. She's an honest person. She's fairly direct. She always has been. She's not touchy-feely. She doesn't talk about emotions. 
she just says it straightforward. She doesn't say it in a nasty way. She doesn't say, I never wanted anything to do with you. She says, this is how it has to be in order for me to pursue my mission. I can't be with somebody. And we did have this one time because I thought I was never going to live again and I basically needed comfort. And she admits that that was a bit of a weakness. It was just the one time. So when people say, you know, oh, cold and burn and all those things, you know, that I saw people saying on social media, it's if you kind of look at this person that she's become, it makes sense. And is it better to string him along and say things to him like, oh, yeah, it was great, but no, she's being direct. I think we should applaud her for that. And that's very consistent with how she's been for the entire season. Cassie has been very on mission all season. Even when Cole said, let's give this a go. And she's like, uh, no, we need to do yeah. this. Yeah. No, I mean, she's, she's not living in 2044 for the men guys. Like yeah. let's examine this. She, she's there because she has to be there to save the world. Exactly. Let's just think about that. She doesn't have time to go out on a date. Yeah, Let's get over that. I did think it was hilarious when Terry posted the picture of you um, and uh, oh my god, and you and Ramsey. I'm sorry, Cassie and Ramsey, and he said, "Team Rassy, who supports this? You guys support this?" I was like, "Oh my god, no, don't do this." I know it's funny because um, I saw that he had posted that, and then there was just this onslaught of people going, "No, absolutely not. Nope, yeah. put a stop to that." I mean, <laughs> there wasn't a single person who seemed on board with that idea. Well, it makes her relationship choices make total sense to me because she can't carry on a relationship with really Cole or Deacon or even Ramsey for that matter because eventually Cassie has to go back and possibly die because it's been seen, which kind of led me to this other thing. Um, When they went to see the keeper, Cassie took off her mask. And it was one of those moments where I thought – why not take it off? She already knows she has to go back in time. If she doesn't go back, the past, you know, the past has already happened. If she doesn't go back, it's never going to happen that way. But then we also got to the point where Hannah died in the past, but she really didn't die. She was just thought to be dead. So there's a, I, we were talking about this before. It was like, there's this possibility that we had thought maybe Cassie might go back and die. So Cole thinks she's dead. To get the whole thing started. Ah, I'm not going to <laughs> comment on that at all. Okay. That's oh, okay. Okay. Well, okay. How about this question? So, okay. <laughs> this is even better. Um, so the previous week. <laughs> how can it be better? Oh, okay. <laughs> so the previous week, Jennifer uh, tells uh, Cole the quote in 2044 that he later goes back to tell Jennifer in 2016. Who initially says the quote? Wait, wait, wait. Repeat that for me, please. <laughs> in 2044, Jennifer tells Cole the quote. Um, I forgot what it was, Courtney. Off the top uh, of my head. It was the wise men. Uh, I'll grab it. Go the, ahead. Do something it was else. the wise men quote that, you know, you have to choose your path. And he. She, right, right, right. right yeah. Right. She, she tells him that quote in 2044. And then right. he goes to 2016 and tells Jennifer the same quote, which she uh-huh. told him. So yeah. where did they initially hear the quote from? I don't know. Where did the chicken come from? Exactly. That's the that's one of the points are like, who told this quote? My theory, well, actually, Courtney's theory was the fact that since Jennifer's a primary, she actually knew all this already. 
but yeah, and listen, you'll hear a few more explanations about what goes on in Jennifer's head and the circles and riddles in co- upcoming episodes. Awesome. And it's true that as a primary, she has a much more, uh, I guess I used this word before, but holistic view of everything. You know, young Jennifer might not understand all of this, but older Jennifer, I think, has lived through a few versions of things and knows a lot more. She, but she, ha- people have to figure it out for themselves. And, and that's what she wants people to do. But at the same time, I think she also gets a little bit of a kick of, you know, sort of sitting back and watching this whole thing. But next week's episode will really be informative when it comes to all things Jennifer. All right. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to more Jennifer action, so. Always it's, fun. It's always fun. Definitely. Okay, so in last week's episode, the Keeper asked Cassie what fuels her anger at Ramsey's, and I just knew the answer was the one she initially gave. You know, dude helped out enemies and is to blame for yeah. all the deaths and everything. But that curveball, like, what did you think of that particular reveal? Like, they, they hate each other because they both love Cole, basically. Yeah, it's sort of interesting, and... I mean, I guess when you think about it, that's the, that's the root, you know, that's the seed of why they hate each other. Yeah. They do all this other stuff that they absolutely hate. You know, he did all this other stuff, but he was able to do a lot of this other stuff because of Cole's loyalty. And then Cole turns a blind eye when it comes to a lot of things and, Ramsey, and then probably for his side, Cassie. But yeah, he, she feels that she gave up her whole life, her entire existence. She dropped everything to further this mission that this kidnapper threw on her, you know, 24 episodes or whatever it was ago. And she, she gets burned by him because of his best friend who is on a few occasions willing to let Cole die. He stabbed him. He has uh, gotten involved with the messengers and that's sort of baffling to her, you know, like let's, let's just cut that limb off, you know, let's, let's let it go. But, you know, now they obviously have a mutual understanding as far as their their joint mission goes going forward. But, you know, it was it is sort of a bombshell to actually have all of that other the superfluous stripped away and just come down to the basic reason. Okay, and I had a question for you from last week's episode. We saw, of course, Jennifer always gets these great, amazing lines, and someone wrote a song for her, Free, Kelsey Carter wrote that one. So if you had to pick a song for Cassie, what would that song be? Oh, you can't put me on the spot. I'm sorry. (laughs) Cassie. Oh, no. It would have to be something just, well, you know, listen, it's been revealed that Cassie does enjoy some good hip-hop. She watched a whole documentary about the origins, so maybe it would be a hip-hop song. Okay. All right, so I'll, I'll play around on Twitter. I'll send you some songs, and you pick one. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I will do that. Thank you. You're welcome. 
So we both tried to live tweet during the episode last night. I was a little behind. And we've seen a lot of online campaigns with people pulling for the show to get another season. Because, well, it's an amazing show. And we absolutely need to see more. Has there been any word on a season three renewal or sci-fi? Just going to kind of wait for a while and scare us for a bit. Oh, scare you. Scare me. (laughs) I have no secrets to divulge. I would be very coy and make hints if I did. Um, I'm, I'm waiting on the edge of my seat, just like hopefully audiences are. And I'm, you know, we're in this grace period right now where they still have time to decide, but we're expecting them to decide at any minute. So... We could get the call anytime soon. Well, they have been known to wait until the last minute on some shows before, so. They have. They have. So, you know, we still have three more left. Okay. So during the first season, I might have been a little bit skeptical about the show because of seeing the movie so many times and everything else and going, okay, so Jennifer Williams, how's this going to work? And, you know, and Cole and how's everybody going to compare with the movie? But. As soon as I watched that first episode of the first season, I was like sucked in and had no comparisons to the movie whatsoever. And that's pretty much what I've always told everybody when like, didn't they make a movie of that? But it's you know, <laughs> everybody, all the actors on the show, I can't say enough, are so amazing. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I, I have some fantastic colleagues, don't I? Well, I think that, you know, we had some elements that were very similar to the, to the film and you know we also have a lot of nods to the film that you know very um savvy viewers will pick up on but the fact is that it's a very different being than the than the film than the original so it's it's not really it's like comparing oranges and apples they're both fruit but you know it's it's very different right mm-hmm. Exactly. So before we go, where can people find you on the social media? Oh, I'm, I have nothing clever. It's just at Amanda Shule. There you go. <laughs> we'll go for everybody. Go out and find her there. Tune in to Sci-Fi Channel. Let Sci-Fi Channel send them a tweet. Tell them to renew 12 monkeys because we need it to happen. Yeah, yeah come live tweet on Yay! Mondays. Yes. <laughs> live, yes, live tweet on Mondays and say it all the time. Thank you very much. We want to thank you so much for joining us today, Amanda. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you for being such smart viewers. That's really appreciated. Well, we thank you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And thank you for being a part of this amazing show. Just keep it coming. Oh, we'll do our best. Thank you very much. We look forward to seeing more of you later on. All righty. Have a wonderful day. Okay. You you too. too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.